Welcome to Central Baptist Church's Sermon Podcast. This program features the preaching and teaching of Corey Ramirez, the pastor of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. In God's Word, you will find the encouragement needed for today. And now, here is Pastor Ramirez. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 has been the text that we've been looking at. And I'll read it to you this morning as we get started. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And this morning, we are going to talk about Jesus Christ, the Mighty God. The, the third title there given in Isaiah 96 to the Messiah, the Christ, the one that was promised. Uh, you know, Jesus Christ's miracles are referred to as mighty works. Mighty works. Now, let's just stop and think. You know, sometimes, uh, I know for me, I'll read through the Gospels, and I'll read through the Scriptures, and you read through these miracles. And maybe it's because we've heard them growing up, or we've read them through the years, that we can often read over these. Read them and continue on. But just think about just one of those miracles. If Christ would perform one of those miracles, or if somebody could perform just one of those today, in our generation, it would just stun the world. Just one. Uh, think of walking on the water. If someone walked across the Arkansas River, that would just stun the world. I, I mean, it would just it would stop. I mean, you'd be all over the news. Or if somebody who, you know, you, those that work in hospitals, someone came in and healed somebody without any medicine, just by their word, and they got up 100% healthy and walked out, that, that would just shock everybody. Just one miracle. There were mighty, and there were many, as far as Jesus Christ's miracles. Uh, he healed all manner of diseases just by speaking his word uh, or by touching the person uh, he would often heal. Uh, and he even healed at times without seeing the individual. Healing from a distance was able to use his power uh, from miles away. And always without the use of what we would call modern medicine. Now, I'm not opposed to modern medicine today. I thank the Lord for technology and what God has blessed us with ability to do. But Christ didn't need any of the modern medicine of his day. And he wouldn't need it today either to heal and to help. Because he has power. He's mighty. Uh, another thing about Christ is he cast out evil spirits. He rebuked the wind and the seas. He had power over elements of this world. So his strength extended beyond just helping somebody with their physical ailments. It helped with spiritual and emotional, and it helped with the elements of this world. You think about that. Those, those are things we have no power over. We cannot control what takes place as far as the world and the elements of the world. But Christ has power over those things. And so this morning, I want us to consider Jesus Christ, the mighty God. Uh, and, and I hope today to show you that not only is he mighty, but how that affects your life. We want to make it practical, personal. Uh, I hope to show you that this mighty God, uh, if you don't already know, can be a great blessing to you as you go through this world and is a great blessing. So let's look at three thoughts here this morning that I want to share with you as far as Jesus Christ being the mighty God. First, he has strength over sin. Strength over sin. That's something that uh, none of us have strength over. He has strength over sin. Second, he has strength to save. He can save people out of sin. And then he has strength for the saved. Those that are saved, he's got strength for you to live. And so this morning, as we consider the mighty God, I, I want you to, to hopefully see 
that he'll be a blessing to you. So let's look at the first one, strength over sin. Uh, I have two thoughts for you. Think of first shortcomings, and then we'll talk about the strength of Jesus Christ. As far as shortcomings, the Bible tells us in Romans 3, uh, verse 10, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Uh, You continue through that whole passage, you'll find the power of sin over mankind, and it ends with verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, There, Paul is talking about everybody that has ever lived. Uh, Sin has power over us. It reigns over us. We've all sinned, and and all have come short of God's glory. And that's the shortcoming as far as not reaching the standard that God has. Now, I will tell you this this morning. Men and women uh, can do great things in this world, without a doubt. Uh, I think of some of the achievements that we have. uh, Harnessing electricity. Isn't it nice to be able to flip a switch and have lights come on? Uh, That's something that is a technology we have today, and that's a blessing we have. Uh, The ability to do that, that's been something that has been achieved. Uh, And you think of many other achievements uh, that I think we have in our world today that to me are just, they're amazing in some cases. We're like, wow, uh, we can do that? Uh, Just think about talking. It's no longer just talking to somebody on the other side of the world. You can actually see them live on the other side of the world while you're talking to them. I mean, the achievements we've made have been a blessing. Uh, And there are many other areas where you can look and say, wow, you know, mankind's pretty strong, it might seem like. Uh, You know, I know uh, for me, I flip channels sometimes. I I don't do it as much as I used to because I got rid of cable, so we don't have as many channels to flip. But I used to flip channels. And, you know, I tell you, every time I'd come across, I don't know if you've ever seen the, the, the world's strongest man competition. I'd see that, and I'd come across that. I mean, I'd see someone pulling an airplane. I've got to stop and see what, what he's doing or why he's pulling this airplane. And sometimes I think, wow, man, that's, that's some, those are pretty strong feats there. And pulling airplanes, picking up trucks, doing all sorts of other things. It's a competition to see how strong or who the strongest is. Uh, and, you know, physically speaking, uh, I tell you, I'm impressed by what they do. But God is far above even them as far as physical strength. You see, this morning, here's what I hope to show you, that God is above all of mankind. Not just a few here and a few there. Not just in intelligence or spirituality, but even physicality. God is above all. And that's what separates Jesus Christ from everyone else, is his strength. It separates him from all of mankind, anyone that's ever lived or anyone that ever will live. And the first area is strength over sin. Think about the strength of Christ over sin. The passage I want to turn to is Matthew chapter 4. I want you to see in Matthew chapter 4 how Christ was tempted and how he overcame that temptation. Matthew chapter 4, and I'm going to begin reading here in a minute in verse 1. And we'll read this passage and give you a few thoughts to consider on the strength of Jesus Christ here. Uh, It says here in verse 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Okay. You talk about a pay-per-view match. You talk about a a big battle. You have the devil and Christ. I'm going to tell you, he threw everything at Christ, trying to get him to to fall, to stumble. It says here in verse 2, And when he did... When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered. So not only was Christ taken out to the wilderness, but we find him in what we would call a physical weakened state. And it says here in verse 3, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into a holy city, setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. 
For it is written, He shall give His angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And then Jesus said unto him, It is written, Again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Verse 8, Again, the devil taking them up into an exceeding high mountain, showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Say unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Three times he was tempted. And let me tell you this, I really believe in my heart nobody else would have been able to probably withstand any one of these. Okay? Just, just consider the, the going up into the high mountain and being showed that the, the kingdoms of the world. I've often wondered, we're talking about two spiritual beings here. Okay? I don't think it was just the Roman Empire he showed them. I think he showed them the kingdoms that were to come too. Perhaps our country today, the power and the glory, maybe other countries that were to follow. And said, you know what, I'll give you all this. You, you, the whole world, you just fall down and worship me. You know, the devil has a lot more power than we often give him credit for. But Christ is more mighty than the devil. I looked upon him and said, get, get thee hence. You can't tempt me with that. I'm not going to worship you. You see, what we find here is he was able to overcome sin. A, a little bit of a, a tidbit or encouragement to you. He did it with the scriptures, by the way. On each occasion, he turned to the Word of God, or he used the Word of God to fight off temptation. The best way to fight off temptation is the Word of God. Memorize it. Hide it in your heart. And when you're tempted to sin, recall those scriptures that encourage you not to sin or encourage you in the, in the right way. And that's what, the, what we find here as far as Christ. He was mighty. He was able to overcome this temptation. And the devil did his best to get him to fall. Yet he didn't. You know, later Peter would write, this is years later, Peter would write of Jesus Christ saying, uh, Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. That word guile means deception. In other words, Jesus Christ, not only did he, he did no sin, but there was no deception in him either. Uh, there was no one hypocrisy. He didn't say one thing and do another. He never deceived anybody with his words or his conduct. He was honest. At all times. There was no sin to be found in Jesus Christ. You see, he was without sin. Now, to me, that's mighty. That's powerful. Because it's so easy to stumble. You know, we use those phrases, stumble into sin, fall into sin, make a mistake. Uh, we use those because it is so easy for us to do that. Uh, you know, uh, I'll just use myself as an example. There are times I get grumpy. Usually it's at late at night or... When I haven't eaten for a while, I get grumpy. And, and you know, those are times where I can say something without thinking. Say something that I later regret. Or say something I have to go back and apologize for. Those are mistakes. Those are sins. And, and it's so easy to, to make those mistakes. Folks, Christ never made those mistakes. I mean, here he's tempted after 40 days out there in the wilderness hunger. He, he didn't fall into those temptations. You see, he's mighty. And so we serve a mighty God, and His strength is amazing. And that leads me to my next one here. He has strength to save. Strength to save. Here's where we're going to start making this real practical. Strength to save. Okay, we have His purpose and His power. Here's His purpose. You know, we're talking about Jesus Christ. We're talking about the Christmas season. It's interesting. You know, we always give thanks for the birth of Christ, and I think we should. But let's not forget the purpose behind that birth. And that was to... Go to the cross at some point to make atonement for sin. 
You know, he had that in front of him and he knew what was there. Yet he never shirked it. He never turned back from it. He never went away from it. He moved forward towards it. That just tells us that he was determined to carry out God's will. Uh, It was the reason why he came to earth. And the reason why he took on the form of a man. It was the reason why he left heaven. Uh, I'm also under the impression we're not going to truly appreciate Jesus Christ until we get to heaven. Okay, once obviously we're there with him. But also once we realize what he left for us. He left the, the worship that he deserves. He left, he left the, the magnificent place of heaven the, being next to, to God the Father. He left that for us. He came down to earth. And that's why he humbled himself, became an obedient servant. It's why he submitted to the humiliation of obviously being questioned and challenged and tested. And, and then, of course, later the, the persecution he suffered and the death on the cross. You see, it was all the will of God the Father that he was following. And it was the will of God the Father that he carried out. That was his purpose, to provide salvation to sinners. And that's the power I want to talk about next, as far as the power that Christ has. You know, the Bible tells us, as far as sin, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Okay, I think it's safe to say that sin has power over us. All right? We're all sinners. We've all made mistakes. Uh, and left to ourselves, we sin. Uh, we don't have to teach children how to sin. We've got to teach them how to do right. They naturally take what they want. They naturally throw the temper tantrums when they don't get the, uh, what they desire. Uh, that can happen when we're adults, too. Uh, and we have to understand that that's just the sinful nature we have. So sin is powerful, and sin reigns over us. But then what we have here is Christ coming down into the earth to die for sinners, to die in place of sin. Now, to do that, he had to have a perfect life. Peter already attested to that, saying there was no sin to be found in him. You know, uh, he spent three years, three and a half probably, with Christ. And not only spent time with him, but spent time with him during what you would call difficulties. When he was under duress, when he was attacked, when he was persecuted. And even then, Peter says, guess what? There was no sin to be found in him. Uh, Folks, you couldn't spend a day with me and not find any sin. I'm going to make some mistake at some point. Yet Christ was sinless during that ministry, during those difficulties, those trials. And those troubles. You see, he had a perfect life. A life that we're unable to match, by the way. We can't match that perfect life. And sometimes I think we forget that it's just one sin tarnishes us. Not, not how many sins. It's just one sin that makes us a sinner before God. Uh, the late Charles Spurgeon, the way he used to illustrate this. Uh, his, his illustration was this. He would say, let's say you're going down to be lowered into a, a pit. Or a cave, and you were in a basket, and they had a chain attached to the basket, and they lowered that down. He said, how many links of that chain would have to break for you to fall? Just one. Not all of them. If there was one weak link, one link broke, the basket would fall. Well, he said, that's the same way with sin. You sin one time, and you are a sinner before God. You need forgiveness, and you need to repent. And so, what we find here is Christ had strength to save Because he had a perfect life. But here's the other thought for you. How about the payment that was made for sin? Uh, Let's go over to John chapter 3. Because I want us to see something here. John chapter 3. And as you're heading that direction, you know Romans, we've already mentioned Romans chapter 6. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then in John chapter 3, we have a meeting between Nicodemus, who was at the time a ruler, a Pharisee there in Israel. And he met with Jesus Christ. He had a private meeting. 
Because he saw something different here. He himself said he, he saw that not only was, was Christ's teaching different in what he heard, but the, the miracles, the power, the mighty strength behind Jesus Christ was different than what he'd ever seen. And he pointed that out. He understood that Christ had been sent from God. And what Christ taught him on this day would change his life. And that's what I want you to notice here. John chapter 3, verse 16, he says here, uh, verse 15, we'll start there, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Uh, this is probably one of the most important passages of the Bible right here. I mean, salvation is just spelled out so clear. What we find here is, first, we're all condemned already. You know, it's not a situation where we're already good. And we've got to do, we do, do enough bad stuff to be sent to hell. Uh, that's what the world often thinks. And that's even what some religions teach. That, hey, it's okay, just make sure you don't, do, don't, don't mess up too bad. Well, what's too bad? You know, it all depends on who's talking. Too bad could be, you know, going off and robbing a store. Or for someone who robs a store, they say, that's not too bad. Uh, too bad would be if I shot somebody while I robbed the store. You see, it all depends on who is making the decision. Well, the Bible says, I mean, keep in mind, one sin is bad before God. And one sin condemns us to death. So the Bible says we're already condemned. We're already in a position of being judged and being sentenced in the future because of our sin. See, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. That had already been done. He came to save the world, to provide salvation for sinners. And the Bible says, he that believeth not is already condemned. It's already a done deal. You don't have to do anything else if you want to go to hell. You don't have to do anything else if you want to be separated from God. You already are separated from God. But if you want, if you want to make things right with God, if you want to be forgiven of your sin, if you want to be saved, as we would term it, or as we find in this passage, then you must repent and believe on Jesus Christ. He that believeth is not condemned. In other words, you're believing not that he existed, but you're believing on him, that he's the Son of God. You're believing on him, who he claimed to be, who he is, his power, his might. And once you believe on him, the Bible teaches that you're saved. You see, that's the strength that he has, the power to save a soul. The power to remove somebody from sin and bring them into the family of God. The power to remove somebody from sin and give them freedom from sin. And to give them life with him. Now this morning, let me just say this, praise the Lord, there's a Savior. And that's what we find in the scriptures, that he is a Savior. Praise the Lord that we have a Savior today. Because he forgives those that make mistakes. We need forgiveness. He saves those that believe on Him. We need salvation. We're in a mess already. We need to be saved. And He gives life to those, everlasting life, to those that call upon His name. For the wages of sin is death. We already have that above our heads. He gives us everlasting life and life with Him. You know, so He is the strength. He is strength to be saved. And this morning, here's the third one, He's strength for the saved. Once you're saved... Jesus Christ will not only show himself mighty in your life, but he'll work in your life in a mighty way. And let me give you just two thoughts. First, I really believe Jesus Christ satisfies the soul. 
You know, in John chapter 4, that's what he shared with the woman there at the well. Those that drink or receive him will have spiritual water, spiritual life. And they'll be satisfied. They'll find what they're looking for. (coughs) Excuse me. Let's go over to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. And I want to show you what the Apostle Paul said. Galatians chapter 2. And he says here in verse 19, For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. In verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay, Christ. The Bible says here, Paul says that he lives in Christ. And he has life in Christ. Uh, notice he says that in verse 20. You'll see here he says, he says, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In other words, Christ is in me. He's given me life. And then he says here, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. He says, so I have life now. And the life I now live is a life of faith in the Son of God. You see, what we find is once someone is saved... There's a work that takes place, and God begins to not only work in the heart, He changes the heart, but He also begins to work in the heart to bless and to provide and to satisfy. He'll supply all your needs, is what the Bible teaches. He begins to supply them. Your emotional needs, spiritual needs, even your physical needs, He can supply those as well. But He'll begin working in your heart to supply those. You know, That's my, uh, my thought of the world today. The reason why we have so much problems out there, Obviously, it's sin. But it's because people don't have Christ. They're not satisfied. There's nobody working in the heart. The Holy Spirit's not there. There's no presence of God in their life. So, of course, they're going to live under themselves. They're going to go whatever direction they think is best. And what we find is the problems that we see in our world today. Christ is the answer. He's the answer to those problems for them and also for the, I guess, the culture in general. But what we find here is Christ will begin to work in the heart. He lives in you. And he'll support you, uh, whether you're afflicted, whether you're tempted, whether things are going well. He's going to give you the strength to get through. And he's going to protect you from enemies or or strengthen you to do the work that he's called you to do. It's his power that's going to keep you until you get to heaven and you stand before the Lord. You see, we live because he lives. We live because he has life. And we have life in him. And that's the last one here, the source of power. The source of power. Jesus Christ is the strength for all believers. In John chapter 15, verses 4, I'll read it to you. He says, Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, uh, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me, and I in the vine. Ye are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Let that sink in a little bit. Without me, you can do nothing. Oh, he said, well, yeah, I can go out and I can do this. I can go to work. I can go here. Oh, oh, yeah, you can. But what you're doing is you're doing it in your own strength and your own power. And at some point, either you're going to get discouraged, dissatisfied, or maybe make a mess of things because you did it in your own power and your own strength. But when you do it in the power of Christ, you're going to have direction. You're going to have purpose. You see, the Lord's going to bless And that's how God works. He works in your heart and through your life. And when you abide in Him, that word abide means to remain, 
to stay. When you stay with Him and abide with Him, then He's going to produce fruit in your life. He's going to begin working in your heart and your life. You know, the Bible also tells us in Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that? I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now, that's not there to, for us to tempt God. That's not there so I can say, I'm going to run through this wall, because Christ is giving me power to run through the wall. Uh, what will happen is I'll knock myself out. You might have to take me to the hospital, or uh, who knows, maybe even worse. No, that's tempting God. You see, that's what the devil did when, to Christ, to tempt him. No, that's power to glorify Him with your life. And that's power to do what He wants you to do. You say, well, what's He want me to do? Well, if you're saved, obviously He wants you to live for Him. He wants you to glorify Him. But as far as your personal life, as you walk with Him, He's going to direct your steps. You see, we all have different directions that God might take us. Not everyone's called into the ministry. Not everyone's called into the career maybe that God's called you into. But if God's put you there, He's got a plan for you there. There's a purpose. There's a reason. And you know what God says? He says, I'll give you the strength to carry that out. And you say, well, how can that work in my life? Well, this morning, let me give you an example. Maybe you're here this morning and, and God has given you these skills and these gifts, these abilities, and he's put you where he wants you. We say, you know what? If God wants me here, this is where I want to be. And here's where God can bless. Maybe I can be a testimony to somebody. Maybe I can be a witness to somebody. Maybe I can just glorify God here so people know that there is a God, that there is Christ, that, there, that God's Son is good, that God's Son is mighty. And you can do that where you are, where you work, where you live, even where you shop. You say, where I shop? Yeah. If God's directing your steps, He's taking you to certain stores, and God can be a blessing to you there, maybe a blessing to someone else. You see, it's, it's living by faith and living in Christ and just trusting God to take care of us. And then understanding that by, with Christ we can do all things. You, what I mean by that is with Christ you can live a life that's glorifying unto God. With Christ you can live above temptation. With Christ you have strength to live for God. And so what we find here is that's the life that we should live. So to have this you must seek Christ. You, you, obviously you must be saved. But you must live in Christ. Seek His will. Keep His commandments. You know, there's one thing to, to ha- un- have an understanding, and then there's another thing to actually do it. We must live for the Lord. You must look to Christ, because nobody else can provide what He can. And you must look for Christ. In other words, He's going to return. He's been here once, but He's going to return. And we must expect that return. Be looking for Him to return, excited and ready. You know, this morning... Here's the point I think we, that I'd like to get across to you in closing this morning. Uh, I just hope you recognize the need for Christ's power in your life. Recognize the need this morning for each of you. That you recognize that you need Christ today. You need Him in your life. Uh, oh, you need Him to be saved. Uh, because you can't save yourself. Uh, if you could, you would have already done it, I'm sure. You would already overcome sin. You'd, there'd be no sin at all. But, but you've already sinned. You've already been separated. If you're not saved here this morning, that's what you need. You need a Savior. And Christ is the one who can do that. Christ is the only one who can save your soul. Christ is the only one who has power to provide that forgiveness and salvation. So this morning, if you're not saved, that's something I encourage you to get taken care of. Because you need Christ in your life. But even after you're saved, you need Christ's power to live. And let me give you a few thoughts in closing. It's important to believe He has power. 
But it's more important to believe in His power. Okay? I could read all these scriptures and I can believe that Christ is powerful. And then I could go forth in my life and not trust Him on a daily basis, but trust in myself to take care of things. See, there's a difference between believing He has power and then believing in His power. You know, the, the, a few of the miracles. One of the miracles is a centurion went to Christ for his servant. So that Christ could heal his servant. Here's what centurion said. He said to Christ, speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Now that's faith. And then you have another miracle. How about that sick woman? She saw Christ coming through the crowd. And you know what she said? She said, if I may but touch his garment... I shall be whole. Think about that. She said, if I could just get close enough just to touch him, I'll be healed and I'll be whole. That's faith in the power of Christ. And then here's a third one, the leper that came to Christ. Here's what he said to him. He said, if thou wilt, thou canst make me whole or make me clean. In other words, he said, if you, if you choose to, I know you can heal me. Folks, they didn't question Christ's power. The concern was, would he be willing to do it? You see, it was not, can he do it? They believed he could. They believed he was a mighty God. They believed he could help them. Do you believe God can help you this morning? Do you believe that he can take care of whatever situation you may be going through? They did. And they had faith in his power. And what happened? God blessed them. God did something mighty. Uh, Here's my challenge to the church. Do we believe God can bless this church? If we don't, well, then nothing's going to happen. But if we have faith and we believe, then guess what? I I believe God can bless this church. I believe God can add to this church. God can continue to provide for this church. But we've got to believe He has the power to do it and believe in His power. You see, that's the faith that is needed today. Believe that He can free you from your sin. Believe he'll answer your questions. You say, well, what questions? I don't know. Whatever questions your heart has. Believe God has the answers for those. Believe that he can comfort your hurting heart. Maybe there's someone here who's in pain over some situation. Believe God can, can heal you and can, hurt, can give you comfort. Believe that he'll guide your steps. Maybe you have a decision to make. Well, God can show you the right way. Believe that He will help you out of trouble. Hope you're not in trouble. But God excels at helping people out of trouble. Believe He's going to provide for your family. You know, that's one of the worries we might have. Is God going to provide? Believe He will provide for your family. Believe He's going to get you through tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow holds. Hope God blesses you with a great day. But if you have trials, if you've got something coming up, believe He can get you through. Believe He has a plan for your life. You're not just out there. You're not just waving in the wind, so to speak. But God's got a plan. He's got a course for you. Believe He's going to lead you into eternity. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Because we're all going that direction. Believe He's going to lead you there. And then believe He has a place waiting for you. A place for you. Something prepared just for you. Believe that. That's the kind of faith that we need to have. And why is this? Because Jesus is a mighty God. And because He's a mighty God, we should put our faith in Him. You've been listening to the preaching of Pastor Ramirez of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. 
We hope today's message encouraged you. If you would like more information about Pastor Ramirez or Central Baptist Church, please visit our website, centralbaptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us again for another message from God's Word.